In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. That life was the light of all mankind. Life. True life. Isn't that essentially what we all want? Life, to be fully alive, to to live your best life, to live life to the fullest life. Isn't it what we all want? We want a meaningful life, not just to exist and not just to survive, but, but to thrive. True life, isn't that what we're all after? And John says at the beginning, verse 4, beginning of his gospel, he says, that life that you're looking for, that you always hope for, that you're trying to get, that most fulfilling life, not just nine to five shift survival, but being truly alive is only found in bowing down to the baby in the manger. True life is found not in acquiring things, but in believing. Jesus alone gives you the life that you've always wanted and that you're always looking for. In Him is life. Except there's, there's one thing. There's always one thing. There's always one thing keeping you from that. There's always just one thing. What do I mean by that? The thing about living fully, living the good life, li- living life to the full, there's just always one thing standing in the way that we think, boy, if I have this, that, then I'm really living. And we always think that there's just one thing that, that's keeping us from being there. One thing that, that's just keeping us, holding us back from truly living. Just one thing. You're probably wondering, well, what, what is that thing? Well, I don't know what it is for you, but it is usually just one thing at a time. Just one thing at a time. One thing you want and you just don't have yet. Man, those 4K smart TVs are looking pretty good, aren't they? Pictures on Instagram, laying on a beach in the Caribbean. Oh man, I really need that life would be so much better. Or those Ford F-150s, man, they look sharp, tough, rugged, manly. And you know, you know what they say about those? They don't just raise the bar, they what? They, yeah, you know, you've seen the commercials. Or you think, boy, if only she liked me, or if only he liked me. You see, there are so many things that really are offering you and I life. We may not think about it that way, but that's what they're offering. They're offering you life. Just one more thing, and I'll, have, I'll be fully alive. And whether, I don't know if, what it is for you, if it is a new TV, a car, or a vacation house, or a relationship, or sometimes even just a nice drink from Starbucks... How often do you and I think, man, if I just had that, life would be better, I'd be more alive, I'd be more fulfilled. Now, I'll admit, when I buy a coffee from Starbucks, I'm not consciously thinking, you know what would make me feel more fulfilled today and more alive? A medium peppermint mocha in that holiday red and green cup. No. You know what I think? Medium's for quitters. However, Starbucks is among many companies who purposefully try in their marketing to make an emotional and spiritual bond with you. It's true. One of their main successful marketing people 
publicly has said and written that, that they want to make people have an emotional connection to something they didn't even know they needed yet. That's true, and that's how they market. They want to do that. Basically, getting you to believe that your life is better if you buy Starbucks. Now, I wonder how many things we buy thinking they'll deliver more life to us. I wonder what, what your one thing is. What's your one thing that you think you need next to be more fully alive? I want to read a little bit from a book that I read in the past year, two years. His name's James Smith. He's a professor at Calvin College, and he writes about the worship experience of going to the mall. He calls the mall the temple, and he calls it one of the greatest worship centers in America. It's, it's a bit of a, a lengthy thing, but hopefully you'll, you'll catch on. It says, if you approach the mall going to, as a religious experience, what might you see? Well, he says, well, upon approach, the architecture... The large atrium sprawling layout with larger pavilions, a.k.a. sanctuaries, with smaller stores, call them vestibules or chapels, make this space akin to medieval cathedrals. And so we enter through this grandiose entryway and we are ushered into the narthex intended for receiving, orienting, and channeling new religious seekers. And for the seeker, there's a large map as you walk in, a kind of worship aid to help orient the novice to the location of various spiritual offerings and provide direction for worshipers. Yet one can readily recognize the regulars, the faithful, who have worshipped here many times before and just know exactly what to do. One might say this religious building has a, a winding labyrinth for contemplation. Alongside are numerous chapels devoted to various saints. Unlike flattened depictions of saints one might find on stained glass windows, here one finds an array of three-dimensional icons, mannequins, who embody for us concrete images of the good life. As we pause to reflect on some of those icons outside of one of the chapels, we are then invited to consider what's happening within, to enter more deeply into the act of worship, invited to taste and see. We are greeted by a welcoming acolyte who offers to shepherd us through the experience, but also has the wisdom to allow us to explore on our own terms. After time spent focusing on and searching in what the faithful call the racks, we have found exactly what we need, and with our newfound holy object in hand, we proceed to the altar that is the consummation of worship. While acolytes and other worship assistants help navigate us in our experience, behind the altar is the priest who presides over the consummating transaction. And this is a religion of transaction, of exchange and communion. When invited to worship here, we are not only invited to give, we are invited to take. We don't leave this transformative experience with just a good feeling, but with something concrete, with newly minted relics, which are themselves the means to the good life that all the icons pointed us to. And so... We make our sacrifice, leave our donation, and get that concrete object that promises to give us life for now. Then, released by the priest with a benediction, we make our way out of the chapel, not to leave the temple completely, but to continue contemplation and be invited into another chapel. After all, who could resist the tangible realities of the good life so abundantly and invitingly 
offered. That reminds me of the way St. Augustine, 4th century church leader, wrote. He said at the beginning of his book, Confessions, he said, You have made us for yourself, O God, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. I love that. You have made us for yourself, O God, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. You were created for God, and you are invited to the true life in Jesus. And yet my heart and your heart, we're naturally restless. That's exactly what sin does. We are restless, and so we start looking for that true life in a lot of other places when there's only one thing that will actually truly satisfy your soul. So we want many things. We all have our just one thing that we think will make life better. And then we get it, and we're happy until we're not, until we're bored, and we need something else. And maybe that thing is, is an item to buy, or maybe it's a relationship you think you have to have. If he or she is attracted to me, then I'll be valuable. Or if only my kids grow up to be successful, then I'll feel good about myself. Or whatever it is. But in our restlessness, we don't take Jesus up on his offer. And he's making that offer to you today and every day that in him is life. In Jesus is the best life you could ever hope for. Yes, that means eternal life in the future, but that means life today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. And Jesus already paid every cost, every penny, so that you could have life in him. It was his life for your life. And so a day lived in Jesus is far better than whatever fantasy we think we want. As Psalm 84, I love how Psalm 84 says it, better is one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. If you remember last week, as we started getting into John 1, I told you that as John writes, there's something he likes to do is load words, load words with lots of meaning. So he writes a lot of loaded words, and last week we looked at beginning as a loaded word and word as a loaded, today it's life. The way John writes about life, there's a lot there. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all people. John uses that word life 36 times in his gospel, which is far more than the other gospels. He wants us to see something. And there's other words in Greek to refer to life. So when you're talking about how old someone is, their lifetime, the the passing of time, or natural life, general life, there's other words. But then there's the word for truly living. And in Greek, that's zoe, true life, eternal life, being fully alive. In him is life. And then John puts that all over his gospel. John 5, he says, God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. John 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Then you get to the very end of John's gospel, John 20, after Jesus has died and rose for you, John talks about all the miracles and signs that Jesus did, and he says, these are written, the ones I told you are written so that you may believe 
that Jesus is the Christ, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Jesus is offering you life today. Jesus was born to give you life. Jesus is the word from the beginning, God in human form to die, who dies to give you life. He sacrifices his life for your life. And Jesus is offering your heart rest. He is offering you the true soul rest that you'll only find in him. Jesus wants to rescue you and me from all the consumer counterfeits that look so good. They might make you happy for a few days, but, but then there is the Word made flesh, God crammed into a baby in a manger. The promise of Christmas is far more than just having one more thing. It's having the one and only thing that will truly give you life. So it makes me wonder. I wonder, what if we actually believed this? What if we actually did? What if we actually believed that, yeah, you know what, Jesus? You are the only place that will give me true life. What if we actually believed at this Christmas that true life is found in Jesus and not in any one more thing? What if we actually believed that the most meaningful thing we could do is not giving and getting, but worshiping the baby in a manger? I wonder. I wonder what if, what if you were to receive nothing for Christmas from anyone? What if you didn't receive any gifts? Now, as my kids are here, they're like, Dad, no, please don't say that. Uh, may not be popular with small children. And I'm not necessarily advocating it, but just think about it for a moment. What if you received nothing, no gifts, empty tree, and just worshiped Jesus? In your heart, would it be enough for you? Would it? I know at times like, oh man, it might not feel like it, but the promise of Jesus is that it is enough. Jesus alone is enough. In him is life. The best life you've ever wanted is found in Jesus. And Jesus' life was not thinking about what he would get, but what he could give and how he could serve. So instead of thinking of self, Jesus served. Instead of self-seeking, he was self-sacrificing. Instead of trying to protect his comfortable life, he willingly died on the cross for you and for me. And Jesus was the most alive, most life-filled person to ever live of all time. And yet his whole life was about putting other people first, serving first, giving first, dying first, and rising first. In him is life. The promise is that good. Don't settle for anything less. Amen.